two little readings today. One from Philippians 4, 10 to 13. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And the second one is from Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Uh, we are going to be mainly focusing on that Philippians uh, section there. But before we do that, will you join me as we pray, please? Father in heaven, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you that you are the ruler above all else. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you have chosen us uh, to rescue us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit uh, to be in us, uh, to, to give us new life. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you would uh, work by, by your Spirit and your Word to, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to make us more like him. I pray that you'd help me as I explain your Word to do it in a clear way uh, that you would use for your glory and for our good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, what we're going to be looking at today is contentment. Uh, but before we get that, I want you to think about what happens after Christmas. So we have Boxing Day. Uh, now, for many, Boxing Day involves watching the test cricket. Anyone do that? Yeah, cool. Nice. <laughs> We've got some cricket fans in the house. That's good. Um, and then what else do people associate with Boxing Day? Any ideas? Leftovers. Okay, yeah. Sales, yeah, sales, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, and, and, and when we think about sales, it's helpful to realize that what our world wants from us is to be discontent. Our world wants us to, to feel like we don't have enough and we need more and more and more. I want to just take a moment to think about how many sales there are in a year. I had a look into this. Um, and so we've got Boxing Day, there's New Year's sales, there's Chinese New Year's sales, there's back to school sales, Valentine's Day, Click Frenzy, Singles Day, March Madness, Mother's Day, Father's Day, End of Financial Year, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, even though we don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And, and then you've got the shops that have been allegedly closing down for the past 15 years that, <laughs> with their perpetual sale. I'm like, but you were closing down <laughs> when I got here. <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, there's tons of sales and, and they, they happen throughout the year. Um, and there's a guy by the name of John D. Rockefeller, uh, who is the first U.S. billionaire. So think mega, mega rich. Um, and they asked him once, how much is enough money? Uh, and he said, just a little bit more. <laughs> that, that, that was what he said. So uh, you, you, can, you can see that, that that's the world's attitude. Uh, but if we're honest, that can often be our attitude too. Uh, we find it so hard to be content, don't we? we? We find ourselves always wanting something more, wanting the next best thing. 
If it's clothes, we want this year's stylish clothes. If it's uh, camping gear, I need this new tent. Um, if it's cars, I need a new car. That's not a, not a thing against anyone who's got a new car. I'm just saying that this is this this was written down in my sermon, <laughs> and I and I say this uh, as someone who is is coming from the same same position as everyone else. We uh we we can often get caught up in this pattern of being discontent, where it's not like we need something because. Uh, because we actually had something that was broken necessarily, but because we just want something more. We, we, we're just dissatisfied with what we've got and we want more stuff. That uh, seeking after the next best thing isn't only related to materialism. Uh, we do it with all sorts of things. Uh, it might be trying to find that, that perfect relationship. Maybe it's getting that better job with better social recognition, or maybe it's getting that person who doesn't like you or doesn't like your jokes, as is the case for me, uh, <laughs> come to their senses and recognize how cool, how smart, and how funny you are. Um, maybe, 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 that's, maybe that's it for us. We, we can find ourselves discontent, this feeling of, of dissatisfaction and like longing for more. We just need more. That's how we feel. And we might say, say to ourselves, how, how can we escape this? Like there are people who are super clever with PhDs in psychology who are working up cooking up all of these, these enticing ways in which they can get us to spend more money and get more dissatisfied. What hope do we have? What hope do we have against that kind of intelligent, uh, active, real trying to, to, to stoke the fire of this desire in our hearts? How can, how can we resist that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine you've got a fish and the fish is, is swimming in the water um, and then this fish, which is a bit further down in the water, see, looks up towards the surface and sees this shining, sparkling, smaller fish and thinks, wow, I've got to have that. So, so our friend, the fish, swims up. He goes up close. He looks at it. He sees, wow, this fish is the most amazing looking smaller fish I've ever seen. Goes for a big bite and chomp. Wait a second. That wasn't a fish. Why am I swimming in the air? I can't breathe. <laughs> Then a hammer hits it on the head and it's lights out for our friend the fish. Yeah, that escalated quickly. Uh, turns out that little fish wasn't a fish at all. It was a piece of, uh, maybe it was a fish, but it was bait of some kind that was there to catch the fish out. So that our, friend, our friend the fish took the bait, that's where we get the saying from, and, and it ultimately led to his own destruction. Do you see that? He, he saw something and he was like, I've got to have it. He went after it, and then it went, led to his own destruction. I want us to see two things from that. One, the bait, while it's alluring, it's attractive, it's actually a trap that, that leads to the fish's destruction. The second, the desire for the bait didn't start in the bait. It wasn't the shiny little bait up the top that's where the desire started. No, the desire started in the fish. If, 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 if the fish had no inclination to go after shiny things or to go after small fish or whatever then, you know, it would see that dangling down. He'd be like, cool story, bro. And then he would swim off. Like the, the, the reason why, why it happens to have an impact is because there's something inside. Um, and I'm not just telling you all this because I like fish. I'm telling you this because this parallels very well to us. You see, our world and us can often be like that fish. We go and we fall for the bait again and again and again. We go after things that will never satisfy but that will ultimately lead to our own destruction. Uh, if, we, if we had no inclination in ourselves 
to go after these things, uh, then when people advertise them, it would do nothing to us. We would just think that would that was a but nonsense. What a waste of time. It's because of our sinful human nature in our hearts, our desire for things that we ought not to have or ought not to have in excess or all those kind of things that leads us to pursue things like this. Uh, it's because of our desire that we go after him, dissatisfaction in our hearts. This, this often uh, is linked to a belief that God is somehow withholding things from us, that God has these good gifts that he's, he's giving, but he doesn't want me to have them, so I'm going to take it myself. That's, that's, that's often where it, where it can, comes from. Uh, not, not caring whether it's a trap. And these disordered desires are part of our sinful human nature. And that's to say our rebellion against God. If you imagine back at the Garden of Eden, uh, where Adam and Eve were told not to, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, they, they believed that God was withholding from them and they took it. Uh, they wanted to, to be the boss themselves and decide what was right and wrong. And they just, they just, they just took, took it for themselves. And we can find ourselves doing the same thing. Now, our world recognizes that this is a trap. Like if, if, if you talk to some people who are kind of self-aware, they will realize that, oh yeah, if I just fill my house with stuff like an episode of Hoarders, that's not going to lead to ultimate fulfillment. There are people in our world who recognize the trap of that, um, but they can't identify exactly what the trap is. And so they end up prescribing a solution that, that does help. It's part of the solution, but it's not the whole thing. They, they only get part of the solution right. So I've got some quotes for you. Um, here's one from Dave Ramsey. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Which is quite funny. I thought it was good. Um, Jim Carrey. Um, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Then we've got some stoic philosophers. Um, if you're looking at names for potential future kids, have a think of Epictetus and Seneca. Those are <laughs> some <laughs> that maybe you want to you add to the list. Maybe as a middle name, maybe a second middle name. Um, but anyway, they have this to say. Wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Put that on a fridge magnet, right? <laughs> not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Then Seneca said, it is not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. It's not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. And then we jump to 2002 with a stoic philosophy from this, this uh, millennium. Cheryl uh, Crow says in Soak Up the Sun, it's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. Now, in all fairness, it's probably easier to say that from Oahu where she was filming the music video than from Mogadishu in Somalia. <laughs> um, but, but you get the idea of what, what they're saying is that just endlessly trying to accumulate more stuff is not going to lead to satisfaction. Our world can even see that. But they, 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 they miss part of it. They get the trap of discontentment, particularly materialistic discontentment. And their solution sounds good, and there is some truth to it, but it's only part of the picture. I want you to think of this. Uh, so if you imagine the world is on a hamster wheel 
of trying to acquire more and more stuff and going after uh, all of these things that we think are going to bring us satisfaction. And we're just running on the hamster wheel. And we're all running and running and running and running. And we never get any further. We never get where we need to go. We always just, we get whatever it was that we were hoping for. And we realize, hey, actually, that didn't satisfy. Or maybe it gave me a short, fleeting sense of satisfaction. And then I just keep running after the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. These guys are basically telling you to stop running. That's what, what they're doing. They're saying, you know, stop going after all of those things. Um, stop running on the hamster wheel. Good advice, but it's not all the advice. If you actually want to go anywhere, you need to get off of the hamster wheel. We all need to get off of the hamster wheel. And we're not going to be able to do that by listening to those who are still on it tell us how to get off it. We need to listen to the only one who can tell us how to get off the hamster wheel, and that's God himself. Uh, so he, he tells us uh, how, um, and we, we're going to see this in, this in this section in Philippians. He's the one who can tell us how to escape this trap of, of continual dissatisfaction and discontent and pursuit of worldly belongings and worldly joys. Uh, so we will look at that in God's word in a moment. We're going to hear um, what God says to us through the Apostle Paul. But just in case you're thinking, hey, why should I listen to Paul? Like, you know, what, 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 not, not this Paul, but <laughs> maybe you are thinking that, but Paul's a good guy. Uh, but what, maybe you're thinking, why should I listen to the Apostle Paul? What's he got to tell me about being content? You know, maybe he had a pretty cushy life. Well, <laughs> have a listen to this in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. It's a good start. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the, church, all the churches. And if you go into the book of Acts, you can see all of these things happening to Paul. You can see the incredibly difficult life he had. Needless to say, this is the kind of guy worth listening to on issues related to contentment. If we have reason to be discontent, he has more. Um, and so let's have a listen to what he says from prison. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learnt in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learnt the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, the book of Philippians is filled with joy in the Lord. So it's, it's no surprise that at the beginning of this section, Paul's saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Um, and you see, you see that, that come through throughout Philippians. That's just his outlook on life is to be finding joy in the Lord. And what, what is the reason for his joy in the Lord in this, in this particular spot? It's prompted by the generosity of his fellow believers. You see, the Philippians were people who had shown him generosity. 
Um, and, and, and now they've revived their concern for him. They were concerned for him, but they had no way of, of supporting him. And now uh, they have this, this revived concern for him. And so what, what, is he, what has he learnt? Uh, he learnt something. And he says, uh, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learnt in whatever situation I am to be content. So Paul has learnt how to be content whatever the situation is. So whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's really good or really bad, uh, wh- whether he's in the worst possible space, you know, being tried, people trying to stone him to death, or whether he's, you know, having dinner with his family or friends, he knows how to be content. He says, he, he, he knows that wherever I find myself, I have enough. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And you see that in verse uh, 12 there. In any and every circumstance. He could have just said in any, but he puts both. In any and every circumstance. That means absolutely any possible situation he finds himself in. I have learnt the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There's a secret. But Paul tells us the secret, which is great. He doesn't say, you know, just try and work it out. Um, I want to just remind us what the Stoic philosophers earlier said. They spoke of the need to be self-sufficient, to, to, you know, stop running on the hamster wheel, to kind of muster up a feeling of, of I have enough from within ourselves. But Paul's saying to us that knowing that you have enough isn't found from within yourself, but actually in God. Let's have a look what he says in verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret contentment that's how to have enough in whatever situation you find yourself in it's not found in getting more and more stuff like our world says it's not found in a steely resolve um, like the stoic philosophers suggest it's found in god himself contentment is found in god himself Uh, we can endure all situations uh, because of him god yahweh the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He enables us to do so. So yes, stop seeking after all that the world has on offer. But no, we're not, not because we're enough in ourselves, but because God is the ultimate one who alone can bring us the joy and fulfillment we need and make us complete in him. Uh, it's worth saying uh, that this verse has often been pulled out of its context, um, used to, to mean something like a, Christian Disney story, like I can do anything and everything, um, whether that's climbing a great mountain or becoming an astronaut and landing on the moon um, through him who strengthens me. And absolutely, if we did those things, then yes, the only way we'd be able to do that is by God's grace through him strengthening us. But that's not promised here. This isn't, you know, God saying, you know, you can land on the moon if you want to. Um, this, this, is, uh, this is actually not so much saying, I can get to whatever mountaintops of life I want to um, because God's going to enable me to do that. It's more saying whether I'm on the mountaintop or whether I'm in the valley, God is with me. Whether I'm on the mountaintop or whether I'm on the valley, God is with me, strengthening me to enable to endure, to, to be able to put one foot in front of another, to keep going when life gets tough and to keep honoring his name when things are going well, uh, to, to find our greatest joy in God himself, not anywhere else. Uh, and our world is so enticing. It, 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 it is. Uh, 
but God is the only one who can fulfill us and bring us true and lasting joy. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, God says that he's put eternity into man's heart. And in Psalm 37, 4, he says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Essentially, it's our own idolatry that robs us of our contentment. Our going after and worshipping of other things instead of God. Worshipping the creation instead of the creator. That's where, where our discontentment comes from. We're trying to find things trying to find satisfaction in things that can never satisfy us. Uh, We're trying to fill a desire for the Creator, the Lord, uh, and eternity with things that are part of the creation and temporal. It will never work. But not only will it never work, it will destroy us. It's like trying to drink seawater to quench your thirst. Um, If you drink seawater, it seems like, oh, that seems like, well, I'm really thirsty, so that's water, so I might as well drink it. But... The crazy thing is, if you drink seawater enough of it, you will actually die of dehydration because your body can't get rid of this amount of salt that's coming in. Uh, So so it's got this uh, appealing look to it. It If you imagine being completely in a desert and absolutely super dehydrated and you see the sea and you think, man, I could have a drink of that. Ultimately, it's going to dehydrate you and lead to your destruction. And that's what our our disordered and rebellious desires against God are like. We look at these things and we think, man, that looks appealing. That looks like it's going to satisfy me. But not only will it not satisfy me because it's not not God and it's not eternity, it will actually destroy me because it's it's the opposite of what we were designed for and and it's, it's actually something that's going to lead to our own destruction. It's our rejection of God uh, that leads to this, where we, we think he's withholding good gifts from us and then we try and take them on our own terms. And because of that, we find ourselves under his righteous judgment. And when we grasp how serious this is, this ought to drive us to God in repentance and faith, in turning to Jesus and trusting him. God's not some horrible meanie. No, God is the gracious, loving, kind, compassionate saviour and king who offers us salvation. So when we mess up, when we sin, the solution is not run and hide and pretend, you know, like he's not there or can't see us. The solution is to come straight to him and to go, Lord, I have sinned against you. Have mercy on me. I give it over to you, Lord. Forgive me, I pray. And we can have confidence in doing that because Jesus has already gone to the cross. You know, Jesus has died for us. He has paid the price for our sin on that cross meaning that we can come to our great God boldly. We can come to the throne of God, trusting in what Jesus Christ has done, clothed in his righteousness, standing before the perfect holy God, righteous ourselves. So the wider world preaches a gospel of of, a good news story of consumption and excess that leads to death. They promote filling our longings with stuff that won't work, but will ultimately destroy us. Uh, That's the kind of like, just keep going after sales, keep buying more stuff. It'll never work, but just keep doing it. Keep running on the hamster wheel. The more self-aware in in our world, like the Stoic philosophers, they recognize the trap of of consumption. They recognize that, uh, that that is not going to satisfy you. They're right about that, but their solution doesn't work. They promote a self-reliant way of dealing with that. Uh, Just 
Just be satisfied with what you have. They're right that we need to be satisfied with what we have. But the trouble is, our hearts were wired with far greater desires than anything we can have here could ever fill. Our hearts were wired with a desire for eternity and for God himself. And no one else and nothing else will satisfy. Only he can satisfy us in that way. The solution, therefore, is to find our greatest joy in God himself. God who empowers us to endure whatever circumstances we face. Whether we're on the mountaintop, whether we're in the valley, find our greatest joy in God himself. Contentment uh, can be defined as gratefully enjoying what God has graciously given. Gratefully enjoying what God has graciously given. And there is no greater gift than the gift of God himself. And so that's where it starts. Gratefully enjoying our God, praising him, uh, revering him, finding joy and peace in him. Now, uh, this might seem like a bit of a tangent, but bear with me. I like watches, um, and I even ordered a watch in breaks between writing this sermon, and so I feel pretty convicted right now as I wrote this down as well. Watches are cool. I find the intricacies interesting, the way that it works. I enjoy changing the batteries myself. I find them fascinating. But watches will never satisfy they will never satisfy me. I've got more watches than I have limbs. And even if I could have all the watches in the world, I would still be like Rockefeller saying, just a few more, you know, just a bit more. The reality is that all of that stuff in our world cannot satisfy. It can't. It's just not going to do it. It's that trying to drink uh, seawater to, to, to quench your thirst. It's, it, God has put eternity in each and every one of our hearts. And he, he's, he's put a desire and a longing for himself in each and every one of our hearts. And nothing else that we go after can fill us. So we may feel a fleeting sense of satisfaction when we get something or whatever. But that will not last. And it will not, uh, will not endure into eternity. And so, uh, like for myself, we all have to come back to God and say, Look, I, I, Lord, I confess that I've gone after the things of the world. Have mercy on me. I turn to you. I want to find my greatest joy in you. Lord, order my desires that my greatest joy is in you and in nothing else. And when we start to do that and we start to think more about God and we start to find our joy in him, we can find what Paul's talking about here, the secret to contentment. Because instead of being carried this way and that way about, you know, maybe, maybe, my watch was broken or something like that. And then we'd feel discontent and sad again. We have a solid, firm foundation in Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he will never let us down. And when we have our greatest joy in him, we have hope and security that will last for eternity. In the movie Cool Runnings, uh, which is a classic, by the way, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. That's a Disney movie I get behind. Uh, there's a Jamaican bobsled team and they're coached by this guy, uh, John Candy, um, who he, he's a Canadian dude. He's, he's called Irv Blitzer, Irv Blitz Blitzer, I think is what they call him. And there's this one scene where Doris, who's the leader of the bobsled team, the, the, the driver, he's asking the coach why he cheated to win more titles. 
Uh, he says, I don't understand. Why did you do it? Why did you cheat? And one of the things the coach says is, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And that's true. But there's more to it than that. Because we're not enough on our own. We need to know God. We need to find our greatest joy in God. We need to value God above all else. We need to worship God alone. We need forgiveness, cleansing, and new life. We need to be rescued by Jesus who died and rose again. And then as people who've been rescued, we need to to live this life of turning away from our discontentment and idolatry to joy in Jesus Christ. Uh, This same Jesus who enabled Paul to endure all things and enables us to do the same. Yes, if, if, you're not, if you're not enough without a gold medal, you won't be enough with it. But we're, we're actually not enough on our own. We need our great and awesome God who completes us and makes us whole in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can fulfill all of those desires. He's the only one who, who, can, who can truly bring us great and lasting joy and peace and hope. If you know that joy and peace and hope, then we need to remind ourselves of it every day reading his word, praying to him, talking to him, asking him for his help, because we are surrounded by a world that, that, that wants us to be discontent. We need to live countercultural lives where we find our greatest contentment and joy in Jesus Christ. And when we do that together as a community, that is an amazing witness to our world around us. And then if you don't know that joy, then I invite you to, to, to come to Jesus today and come to know that joy and that contentment because whatever you're going after it's never going to satisfy unless it's him let's pray lord thank you so much uh, for your grace and your mercy to us in jesus christ thank you lord that you offer us your salvation uh, not not by anything that we've done but by your grace we come to you lord as people who have so often gone after our own Uh, idolatry, gone after um, idols and sought satisfaction and joy in places other than you. Lord, we turn away from that and we come to you. We turn to you, Jesus. We ask for your forgiveness and mercy and we put our trust in you. Lord, work in our hearts that we would have great joy and excitement and wonder and awe at you. Lord, help us to be people who are so driven by you and our joy in you, that no matter where we find ourselves, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley, that we would find our contentment and joy in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.